What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Locked On Pirates podcast or the Locked On Marlins podcast. Of course, if you are listening from the Locked On Pirates podcast, my name is Ethan Smith, your host who does the most. Hope you all are having a phenomenal Tuesday, July 12th, and I am very excited to be going to AEW Dynamite in Savannah tomorrow. I am a big wrestling guy, as you guys may know, so I will be doing that. So your episode will be up very early tomorrow. But you're getting this episode today because we are joined by the king from the across the pond, Peter Pratt over at Locked On Marlins. As you see on his Twitter, it is Miami Marlins UK. We're going to be recapping the game from last night, talking about how these two teams plan to attract the, uh, attack the trade deadline and some more storylines going on between the Pittsburgh Pirates and Miami Marlins, as well as um, a certain player on the Marlins that I still have a soft spot for in my heart. Thank you guys for making Locked On Marlins and Locked On Pirates your first listen of the day here on the Locked On Podcast Network, where it is your team, your Pirates, and your Marlins every day. And with that said, Peter, how are you? Everything going good over there across the pond? The weather good? Everything phenomenal? It is scorching here in the UK. Absolutely scorching, as you may be able to see, those that are watching the episode anyway. I'm sweating up. Yep. <laughs> I'm sweating up. And that isn't just the... The Marlins getting beat yesterday, getting me in a hot sweat. It's the weather is scorchy. Oh, we are not built for this in the UK. There's no AC. No one has any AC. You just got to sit here and swelter. So I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I hope the Marlins offense equally catches fire the rest of this series. Yeah, and somebody who caught fire yesterday uh, to much appreciation from Pirates fans was Mitch Keller, who over the past couple of weeks has just continued to bring that ERA down. He was in the sevens at one point, but he is now below a five ERA. Uh, seven innings pitch, five Ks. I bet over on four strikeouts, so thank you, Mitch Keller. Um, Taylor Rogers, not the worst game either. He gets credited with the loss, but I mean only two earned runs and seven Ks. But Jake Marisnik was the story here. He gets that big home run again late in a game, much like they did Sunday against Milwaukee. You get the ninth inning run that gives them a comfortable lead. And one of the guys who I've very been a lot on top of, Yuri De Los Santos, gets his third save, four Ks and one and one-thirds. The dude's been on it. And I mean, the Miami Marlins, for the most part in this game, just from the jump, and I'm sure you saw this, the, uh, from the first play, with Jesus Aguilar doing whatever he was doing to Trevor Rogers, the Pirates announcer said that they've heard the Marlins sometimes just tend to be a sloppy team. And when you're 41 and 44, they're being sloppy could be the difference in the Marlins being a wildcard team and being where they are now. So what do you think through the rest of this series, the uh, Marlins need to do to kind of bounce back from whatever happened yesterday? Yeah, it's funny. I did actually hear that that commentary from from the Pirates broadcast crew. I was watching uh, watching back on the highlights package and uh, it flicked to the you know to them. So got to hear their their take on it. And yeah, I watched the, those first couple of innings live. For those that are wondering, thinking, where's this accent from? I'm in the UK, so yep. I've got some time zone challenges. And uh, yeah, I mean, uh, what was going on with that play? I mean, it's a regulation ground at the first. Effectively, Trevor Rogers starts running the first base. He then has a meltdown, and what, he just forgets that he's got to catch a ball at first? He just kind of runs blindly to first base and stands there. It was just a weird play, like he'd forgotten that he needed to do anything. He just thought, my only job, I need to get to first base, and the guy's out. No, Trevor, you need to have the ball as well, brother. So Trevor Rogers hasn't been sharp all year. The Marlins defensively, just to kind of go on to that from, from what the, the Pirates crew were talking about, 
At times, defensively, the Marlins have been excellent. However, there's in the last week or so, there has been a few slip-ups, particularly in a, in a Mets game on Saturday. Uh, they, they had the chance to win it, I think, in extras. And uh, somehow, Brian Anderson has an error. Next thing is, there's a throw and error from the pitcher, the closer, Tanner Scott. Sloppy play, like you said. The Marlins, they cannot afford to throw games away. And literally, on Saturday, they threw one away. Literally, they did. I mean, this one, uh, they started cold. 2-0 down after the first, you come out sloppy. You know, it's not optimal. In games that the Marlins need, and, and I emphasize that, they need to be winning these games. They truly do, because they're in the mix. They're four back of the wildcard three spot. They need to be winning this at home again with Trevor Rogers on the mound. They truly do. So, yeah, it was it was interesting that they that they have that kind of picture of the Marlins that defensively they're a little bit sloppy. Just as a ball club, I think they've been sloppy this year. I think that's fair. I think that is. So yeah, yeah. And the thing is, is you bring up where the Marlins are. Of course, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see on this bottom ticker down here the uh, the records for these teams. The Marlins are 41 and 44. The Pirates 37 and 50 after the results of yesterday's game. In an optimistic world, which is where I'm going to go here as a Pirates fan for a second. Say the Pirates play like they did last night, get the pitching they did last night, the hits where they had 11 hits last night, and sweep the Marlins. You just heard Peter say they're four games out of a wild card spot in the third, like in the third wild card spot. This series for the Pirates is a lot bigger than I think a lot of people realize because say you do win even three of four against the Miami Marlins in this series. Puts you 39 and 51. Now, nobody's writing home about a 39 and 51 record, but then even after this series, the Pirates have yet another important series against the Rockies, who are right around this same like record where they're 38 and 49. For the Pirates, though, I think for the remainder of this series, they need to just do what they did last night keep hitting the baseball. If you're getting good starts from Mitch Keller like that, you can really expect it. Now, Chris Stratton will be on the hill tonight, of course, with the Rowanzi news that came out over the weekend that he would be on the IL through probably the All-Star break in a couple weeks to rest his arm. Rest assured, by the way, I want to bring this up. Everybody was up in arms about Contreras getting sent down. The guy didn't pitch in 2020, pitched 61 innings last year, and has already eclipsed that innings total this year at the major league level. His arm is probably tired, guys. Give him a few weeks to get over it. But, I mean, you look at the rest of this series, and you get JT Brubaker and Pablo Lopez tomorrow, and then to wrap up the series, I believe it's Zach Thompson and Braxton Garrett. For the Pirates' benefit, they're avoiding Sandy Alcantara. For the Marlins' benefit, they're a better team. <laughs> like, I mean, for all intents and purposes, for me watching this, this is the first time I've really, like, in-depth watched the Marlins was yesterday. You guys need Jazz Chisholm and Jorge Soler back so badly. And I mean, that's how the Pirates, I was very surprised they even won yesterday with no Reynolds and no Cruz. So go into the importance of just how important Jazz Chisholm and Jorge Soler are to this team. Yeah, really. Are. I mean, you know, listen, <laughs> Jazz Chisholm was the, the voted in as the starting uh, second baseman in the NL for the All-Star game. That That shows how good Jazz has been. Um, you know, pacing the club with OPS plus all the, the the metrics you want. Jazz has been sensational. It's not just in the box; it's in the field too. Going kind of going back to that sloppy fielding piece. You know, Jazz has really kicked on in second base defensively as well this year, which has been great to see. You know, the Marlins are the type of team where if they lose their best guys, their best hitters, you're going to feel it. Like the bench isn't loaded with studs just sitting there waiting to come up. You're then kind of relying on. 
you know, mix and match going on. So Jazz is big. Soler equally is is being a miss. Like there's a lot of power, and the problem the Marlins have faced is Avi Garcia, the major signing uh, in terms of dollar amounts. Anyway, the major signing from the offseason, Avi Garcia. It has not worked out at all with Avi Garcia. Big boys pacing for like ten home runs on the year. I mean, it's very underwhelming. He's sitting today, Avi Garcia. He sat on Sunday. I'm really intrigued to see where the Marlins are at with him because it has just not been good at all. So. What does that mean? The Marlins this year were leaning on guys like John Birdie. John Birdie is now kind of really thrust into the spotlight. He's, you know, stole a lot of bags and is leading uh, Major League Baseball with stolen bases. But, you know, John Birdie is a very different type of player to Jazz in the infield and Jorge Selecli in, in left field. Like, the power is not there with John Birdie, no doubt. So, it's a big power downgrade for a team that was already struggling for power last year. Jazz has definitely kicked on. Um, Cooper Loop, uh, and we must say, Garrett Cooper, just for this this part has rolled, uh, Cooper Loop's been uh, added to the All-Star roster as well. So the Marlins have three All-Stars um, making it. So Garrett Cooper added in the DH spot, but not your prototypical DH, Garrett Cooper. He's hitting for average this year, but the, the home runs haven't been there either. So, you know, you take Jazz and Soler out the line of the power dips, no doubt. And you saw that yesterday. Like, you needed some big hits and some big spots. Avi Garcia, double plays or strikeouts? Not optimal from your cleanup guy. Well, after hearing all that, Peter, we're going to get into how the Marlins and the Pirates plan on attacking the trade deadline, maybe even the draft a little bit on how they plan to fix some of these issues over the next couple of weeks before the trade deadline hits. But maybe that offense over there in Miami and for Pittsburgh most of the time needs a little pick-me-up. So maybe they need a built bar. From the people who invented healthy and tasty comes the latest gift to your taste buds. You've probably tried the amazing Coconut Brownie Chunk Built Bar, but guess what? Your friends at Built.com have given Coconut Brownie Chunk the puffs treatment. That's right. The Coconut Brownie Chunk Built Bar flavor you love and a deliciously chewy marshmallow covered in 100% real chocolate. It's like a fluffy cloud of coconut brownie goodness. And by the way, to bring up coconuts, Ethan does have a candle that he made right here. It is a beer coconut vanilla candle. So, uh, Built Bar, I'm calling out to you. Make me a beer vanilla coconut Built Bar. Let's make it happen. But stop drooling and listen. They are good for you. Low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and all delicious. Coconut brownie chunk puffs are only here for a limited time. So go to Built.com now to make sure you don't miss out because they are going fast because they taste absolutely amazing. Of course, all Built Bars are made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of health benefits. So you can eat something that tastes good and is good for you. The best part about Built Bars is, of course, they taste amazing, but you can enjoy them free because they are actually good for you. They are the perfect treat, perfect for when you're craving, you need to satisfy that sweet tooth, or you need a quick, healthy snack. They are an excellent source of protein. So Peter will tell you the same thing. Go to built.com, use the promo code lock 15 and get 15% off of your order for the best built bars on the planet. And like Sully baseball, I'm not doing the jingle. Go to locked on MLB for that. He'll sit there and sing about built bars for you. Trade deadline. Coming up, Peter, it's a very different dynamic for both of these teams, I think. The Pirates, albeit not that far behind the Marlins, I don't think they really have the same thought process that, oh, we're just right there. I brought up that if they sweep the Marlins, different story. But even then, I don't think the Pirates are thinking wild card. I don't think that's what they're thinking. 
For the Marlins, though, when you make a signing like a Jorge Soler and an Avi Garcia and all the moves they've made, and you have a pitching staff that features Pablo Lopez, Sandy Alcantara, eventually Yuri Perez, who has been an absolutely phenomenal pitcher in the minors, how do the Marlins attack the trade deadline with where they're at? Because you're kind of in that limbo spot where if you buy, you might not make the playoffs. Or if you sell, everybody's going to be like, well, why did you sell when you're right here? So what do you think the Marlins should really do moving forward for the next couple of weeks before the trade deadline? Really tricky. The Marlins and Kim Ang are in a very interesting spot because, like you said, I mean, the way this series plays out, plus the Phillies, plus, you know, the next uh, couple of weeks, like that's going to really be the determining factor. However, the Marlins don't have a ton of dudes to sell, I would say. So, like, even if things go sideways, I think Anthony Bass will have a lot of calls, be one of the best relievers in the game this year. So, Bass could be an obvious move. Jorge Soler, I think, is equally an interesting uh, sell candidate as well if, if things go sideways. Um, he's got two years on a with, with some player opt-outs in there. So, I think that's movable uh, for the Fish. They've got some corner outfielders coming in the system too. So... Uh, and Jesus Aguilar expiring deal at first base. Aguilar should absolutely be moved at the deadline for sure. If they indeed sell, if they are buying. And listen, the Marlins, with the way this schedule lines up and the way the season's going, with three All-Stars on the roster, they should be in the mix. They should be in the hunt and they should be looking to add to this roster. But the problem is where they need to add is a very tricky spot to add into. The main hole, center field. We know it. Everyone knows it. And plugging that gap with above-average center fielders is very, very tricky. Um, there's one obvious candidate, perhaps. I think I know for certain, actually, the Marlins tried to get Brian Reynolds at the last deadline. Um, I know for certain that that happens, and they tried to make that happen. They tried to make it happen in the offseason. It hasn't happened. They've made a connection with the Stallings deal. Um, would they revisit that? I don't know. Uh, from yesterday, after I've seen reports from multiple people, including Rob from The Athletic, who's a big guy on Pirates Twitter, the Pirates have rejected all offers so far from David Bednar and Brian Reynolds. And just to put this in emphasis, Brian Reynolds was on the trade block last year. The Mariners were interested, and they had to start their offer with Julio Rodriguez. I didn't say that was their offer. They had to start their offer at Julio Rodriguez. So for the Marlins, I mean, Yuri Perez is probably a guy you'd have to at least start with. Probably. And it's then, funny, isn't it? Yeah. A another thing that I wanted to bring up with you too, is there's a very interesting thing going on in the Miami Marlins organization that a lot of people have maybe heard of, maybe haven't heard of regarding Khalil Watson. Mm -hmm. who has had numerous issues right now. Is he a guy that you maybe include in a trade for one of these bigger stars just because of how things are going with him? With I'm not going to sit here. By the way, this is not what I've said. By the way, I've just seen it said that he has attitude issues, 99 strikeouts, like all, all the all the whatever stuff. But with the pure talent that's there with Khalil Watson, do the Marlins just eat crow and use him in a trade piece to go get a big outfielder that you say they need? Yeah, I mean, Khalil Watson is a very interesting one. 
The Marlins selected him 16th overall in the draft, paid $5 million to get him uh, at the time. Uh, a lot of people praised the Marlins for that. That they were bold enough to go and get him at sixteen. Oh, I was one of those people. When after the, whenever the draft was done, I was like, "Wow, the Marlins like won the first round with getting him that late." For sure. So we shouldn't forget that that the talent, the tools are absolutely there with Khalil Watson. So, but you're right to call out right now. There's uh, an interesting dynamic. The strikeout has been high. Listen, he's a young kid straight out of high school into low A uh, ball, so he's not being eased into it by the Marlins. They've got him into you know A ball straight away. Um, he started on fire, actually. Then the strikeouts came. However, like you said, you're reporting uh, he's been sent home, effectively, from uh, the team uh, for a an incident as such towards the umpire where he effectively, I guess, pulled like a gun-type, sniper-type method where he, sh- he was snipering the, the umpire for what he deemed to be a poor call on a swing and strike call at first base. So Khalil Watson, young guy, full of talent. To, to your question, though, is he the type of guy you use? Listen, if you're talking about a Brian Reynolds-type deal and the Pirates, let's say, are interested in Khalil Watson and the talent, the Marlins shouldn't hesitate in looking to do that right now. Like, the Marlins are built right now to do some to do some damage. They've got a glaring hole in center field. Khalil Watson is still three, four years away. Like, if the Marlins piece together a package, like, I don't know, let's just hypothetically say Yuri Perez and Khalil Watson for Brian Reynolds straight up, like, I mean, it's... it's it's an enticing deal in, in in both ways, but I don't know. I mean, the Marlins, what I'm hearing out of the Marlins is um, Uri Perez is in the untouchable category uh, from their perspective. Uh, I don't know where they sit on Cleo Watson, but clearly the discipline, the, the discipline issues are there. Um, I'm intrigued. I'm very intrigued to see the way it goes. I personally just can't see Reynolds moving now at this deadline. It doesn't make a ton of sense. Like, it never made sense. The offseason just gone. Was the moment he signed the two-year deal, uh, maybe revisit in the offseason. I'd be shocked, personally, if the Pirates deal him at this deadline. But if they're blown away, you got to pull the trigger. Well, and that's what I've kind of told people who've asked about Reynolds is, one, you're going to have to start with one or two top 100 prospects. The guy's a switch-hitting center fielder who was a gold glove finalist last year. He's on a pretty substantial cheap deal you have control on Durham until 2025 because you have this year next year arbitration and then 2025 yeah it's a lot but it should be it should be a lot yeah. you know but if you're also looking at it too if the if Marlins don't want to say trade Yuri Perez Max Mayer is not exactly the worst option either so when you're talking about this and not am I saying the Pirates do this no Probably not. Ben Charrington has already clearly stated the Reynolds package is going to be major massive. It's going to be ridiculous. So is that where you get into the point where instead of Yuri Perez, do you maybe bring up Watson? But the Pirates also have a plethora of middle infielders right now. So could Watson move? Probably not, just based Mm -hmm. off of what I've seen, what he does. So then you're getting into J.J. Blade, Sixto Sanchez, Jake Eater, um, Peyton Burdick, you're getting into that kind of range where it's like, okay, maybe start with Max Mayer, who's your second overall prospect, J.J. Blade, and then you're probably still having to throw another top 10 prospect in there too. So that's where Marlins fans and Pirates fans could think. Probably sounds okay on both ends, but, you know, it's one of those really convoluted situations where there's not a lot of outfielders available from what I know in terms mm. of free agency, but a guy that I would say the Marlins should go after, because why not? Andrew Benintendi, dude. Why not? 
I mean, the dude is raking in Kansas City. Teams are going to want him. The Marlins, as everybody just heard me mention, have a top farm system in baseball. It's up there in the top 10 at least. I know that. Mm-hmm. I don't have the numbers yeah. right in front of me, but I know it's up there. Why not take a stab at Benintendi? Why not? I mean, seriously, I don't know what the Marlins plans are, but definitely try to do something to put yourself over the hump because as a Pirates fan, I wish I was in your position. I know it probably sucks as a Marlins fan to be like, okay, well, we're three games under and just lost a game to the Pirates. But if I'm a Pirates fan, if we were 41 and 44, I'm jumping for joy and hoping that we go and get some stuff and make a, like a shot at it. Yeah, I, I mean, Ben Attendee is a very interesting name. Just to kind of go back on the strategy for the Marlins, like at the deadline more broadly, I mean, there's going to be tons of suitors for Benintendi. There truly is. Um, I just don't see the Marlins moving farm pieces for for rentals. Like, I just can't see them doing that. If they they will move pieces, they will move Max Meyer. They absolutely will. They they had a deal in principle for Brandon Marsh, straight up one for one with Max Meyer at the last year's deadline. Um, I also most likely think that they were after Reynolds too, and I think Max Meyer would have probably been as part of that conversation too. So, I think these two clubs have already talked about what a package could look like. It didn't happen. The Marlins went to the Angels. Hey, Max Meyer, Brandon Marsh. Angels said no. I think they'll regret that looking back. I think Marsh has kind of scuttled, and I think Meyer is actually really trending. Um, But I just don't see the Marlins operating in rental market. I think they'll be blown away by other teams too. Um, And they don't want to pay the money either uh, of any of these rental guys. So I think you're more likely to see those types of deals like real early arbitration or league minimum dudes that they're happy to swap some of their their top end of the system arms for. Uh, I think that's going to be the key to it. They've got those arms, right? You mentioned Sixto, you know, Max Meyer, Ida, Uri Perez, perhaps, you know, they are loaded with top arms already up there. They need need to find a center fielder. It is not easy to find them. Like, it's almost like the holy grail. I mean, that's why this conversation continues on. The Marlins had the answer in-house. They had Starling Marte last year. Starling Marte was the answer. They low-balled him. They ended up trading him for Jesus Lazada, which actually I think was a good deal for a rental, actually, um, which which Marte was. But the answer was already in front of them, and they just couldn't pull the trigger on the money, which is disappointing, and that is at the heart of it for the Marlins. So we go back, and we try and empty the farm and get someone young and controllable. Brian Reynolds fits that brief, as do a few other dudes. But, yo, it's it's going to be interesting to see the way they go with this deadline. Oh, yeah, and we'll continue a little bit of this conversation as well as bringing up a wonderful player down there in Miami that I still wish was on the Pittsburgh Pirates, especially with a certain positional situation. But before we get into that, this episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts from their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why choose to spend 30 or even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership. Well, Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Their prices are reliably low for every single customer, and they have everything you could need from brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. So go explore their easy-to-use website today. 
to find the solution for your auto parts needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. That is rockauto.com. Now, going into what the Pirates plan on doing, this is where things get a little interesting. Mm-hmm. You hear Reynolds and Bednar being thrown around, and I talked about this on my episode yesterday, that more than likely those guys will not be going anywhere. Key Brian Hayes, not going anywhere. O'Neill Cruz, not going anywhere. A lot of the top guys now for the Pirates are staying. It's not like the Bell, Talio, Musgrove deals where it's like, okay, this team's never winning, the farm system's not here, the whole nine yards. There are pieces, though, that they have. Ben Gamble, for instance. After what he did yesterday, if he stays healthy, maybe a Jake Marisnik is a guy that the Pirates can move from. Daniel Vogelbach, Chris Stratton, who's starting tonight, is another guy. But the Pirates' MO at this point, I think, needs to be stand firm, but if you get a good enough offer for these guys to trade them away. Their biggest trade piece right now is Jose Quintana, expiring veteran pitcher, Phenomenal season. The Marlins are avoiding him this series, but dude has been consistent all year, five, six innings. That kind of thing, that's what you want to see from a pitcher of his age. We'll see what the Pirates decide to do. I'm not expecting a very busy deadline like a lot of Pirates fans are. I'm just expecting maybe one or two small deals for some mid-level guys that are going to be in the farm system for like three years before we even see them. We'll see. Now, Peter, I have to ask a question. Are you taking Mm -hmm. care of my king? My, my wonderful King Jacob Stallings. Are we, we taking we, uh, care of him in Miami? Is he okay? We're, <laughs> we're trying. It's been an interesting uh, season thus far uh, for for Big Jakey, uh, no doubt. Let's go back to opening day. And the Marlins were hyped. We needed a catching upgrade last year defensively. They would, uh, there was so many problems for the fish behind the dish. Pitching for days. Couldn't catch a cold. It was so bad behind there. So the Marlins went out there and got Stallings, the best defensive catcher in the league, perhaps. Um, you know, let's, so they had to address that. Opening day, let's go there. Home run for Jacob Stallings on debut on the road in San Fran. You're like, wow, here we go. Anything offensively is going to be nice. So since then, it is not. Been as rosy is how I would describe it. Defensively, I would still say it's been fine. This past ball streak uh, continued, but there were definitely a few uh, assists, let's say, from the scorer. No doubt. I would say, and, and, and offensively, it has not been good. Like, you go and look at Baseball Savant, and, like, it is just, he looks like the worst hitter there's ever been. Like, it is really, really poor offensively. So... Mixed bag, I would say, with Jakey. I think, uh, listen, he's been catching Sandy every time out, and Sandy's having a, a career year. His value is there in what he does. Offensively, it's been poor. Um, and some elements of his de- uh, of his catching in the game, his framing, his pop time, throws to second, haven't been as good. Like, there's been a few kind of murmurs of discontent in the Marlins fan base, I would say. But... That's mainly borne out of the fact that a new catcher has emerged, Nick Fortes, who we're going to see tonight. He catches Dan Castano every time. Nick Fortes is a different type of dude. He's improved defensively and offensively. He's actually a legitimate threat. So 
you know, clearly Marlon's Twitter a bit like, let's get Fortes in there because Stallings has been so poor uh, offensively. But I think in, in many ways he's been as advertised, slightly not as good as we had hoped, but I still think an upgrade of what we had. So the king still lives on, but now in nice. Miami, I guess. <laughs> well, in revisiting that trade as well, you have Kyle Nicholas, Connor Scott, and Zach Thompson who come over. Zach Thompson, for mm. all intents and purposes, been arguably one of the better pitchers on the staff, if not the best pitcher on the staff this year. Connor Scott, of course, and Kyle Nicholas a little too far away still to really put the verdict out on those guys. But Kyle Nicholas has even emerged as a top pitcher in the system over the last couple of weeks. You really like to see what uh, he can do. So I think on both ends, the Pirates are probably okay with this. For me, though, with getting Roberto Perez in the offseason and then he gets hurt for the remainder of the year and you're catching Tyler Heineman and Michael Perez and at one point in the season, Andrew Knapp, now even Jason DeLay, the catcher position is not that great. Now, of course, you have Henry Davis on the way, but the one thing that I think Jacob Stallings did so well and hopefully he's still doing so well he always helped young pitchers get better, I think. He always was very good at pitch framing. He was always good at going up to the guy whenever they'd have a mound visit and say whatever he said to him. Because if you go back and watch games where he has a mound visit with the pitcher, whatever happens after that is so insane. Like It's like he says that one specific word, and those guys are like, okay, I'm good. Uh, to give you an idea on Kyle Nicholas, by the way, 414 ERA in 13 games with a 1.32 whip. Not terrible. Connor Scott, on the other hand, um, to revisit this trade, Connor Scott is batting 250 with a 678 OPS. Both of those guys in double A. And then Zach Thompson, I believe, is still on the IL. I haven't really been able to keep up with that too much because so many guys are on and off the IL right now. Uh, but Zach Thompson, a 4380 RA with a 1.43 whip. So on both ends, I mean, it seems like the Pirates and the Marlins are content with the trade, I would say. I mean, the Pirates obviously get a starting pitcher, which they needed, and Nicholas and Scott are doing their thing. Stallings appears to have kind of fixed the defensive miscues that were in the backstop last year. I just still wish he was on the Pirates, but I digress on that. Uh, I just have to deal with Michael Perez being in the backstop every once in a while. <laughs> For sure. I mean, honestly, go and check out those Stallings' savant page. It is crazy. Ex <laughs> expected slugging. First percentile, expected ex expected batting average. Second percentile, sprint speed. I mean, okay, first percentile. Uh, Woba. Do you guys still call him the cheetah? Ah, he's still down as the cheetah here. Exactly. So we've got a couple of cheetahs now in Miami, I guess, um, with with Stallings. Uh, and Tyreek Hill, I guess, now as well. So, yes. you know, he's up there for sure, right? So, you know, Stallings, it has not been amazing offensively. Uh, but And the interesting bit is the framing and the pop time, like I mentioned, they're kind of below average too. So I, I, the jury is still out on Stallings, but I do think it has been an upgrade in general. I'm not going to slander your king uh, for certain on this episode. There's no way I would do that. And listen, catching's hard to address, like... It's a hard Very. position to address. Like, the Marlins have seen that for years. The funny thing is, Jorge Alfaro, that effectively the Marlins gave up on, um, sent him packing to San Diego. Next thing is Alfaro is absolutely blazing it up in San Diego. So these guys can turn it on from nowhere. It's so volatile, this catching position as well. So 
all in all, I think it was a fair trade. Uh, and I think, yeah, to your point, like Zach Thompson, doesn't it doesn't shock me. He slotted in that rotation nicely. I saw a lot of nice things out of him last season as a, in the Marlins rotation when they needed him. And in reality, Dan Castano, just to kind of add a bit of context here, Dan Castano is kind of a Zach Thompson dude. Like, they are quite similar uh, in the way they operate. Like, when you watch Dan Castano tonight, you'd be like, oh, yeah, I can kind of see some similarity to Zach Thompson. Kind of similar grinding-type dudes. Um, and, uh, yeah, we'll wait and see. So, yeah, even, I'd say, on the uh, Stallings uh, trade, just to round that one off. Well, I hope he's doing well. I hope he stays healthy, too. I hope that's one thing that definitely stays healthy with him. But, uh this is it. Pirates and the Marlins play each other three more times in this series. Then our teams go wrap up before uh, the all-star break against their respective opponents. And then after the all-star break, they're right back at it. So I'm sure me and Peter will probably be talking to each other again next week or whenever that happens. Um, also, Dylan Peters gets reinstated from the IL just now, right when we finish the episode. But with Breaking that news. said, guys... Uh, Peter will be back with you tomorrow. I will be back with you tomorrow, probably recapping the events of tonight, everything that's going on. Peter, great having you on. Hopefully the Marlins faithful enjoy me. Uh, hopefully the Pirates continue their winning ways, winning eight of their last 13, three of their last four for the Marlins, trying to bounce back. Guys, make sure you check out the Locked on Marlins and Locked on Pirates podcast wherever you get your podcast. Also, go check out Lindsey Crosby over at Locked on MLB Prospects with the MLB Draft slowly approaching uh, this upcoming Sunday. It's going to be a very fun time. And with that said, that's Peter, uh, if I could ever get the pointing right. That's Peter. I'm Ethan. And guys, I will see you on the flip side.